It's you and me here again for The Mystic Show. Time to relax. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm your host, Chris Curran. I'm happy you're able to join me. This is the show where we talk about a lot of things, spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, a lot of things that are otherworldly and unseen. The purpose of this show is for you and I to move along the path of spirituality, become something more divine, or unbecome to become something more divine. And new episodes are released every Friday morning early. You can hear us as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our website, themysticshow.net, www.themysticshow.net. And you can sign up for the behind-the-scenes emails. It's a weekly email that I send out, and in addition to receiving that email, you also get a really cool little audio project I made called Relax with Rumi. I got some relaxing music and I took some selected Rumi quotes and I read them over the music and it came out really well. It's 47 minutes of audio. It's pretty cool. It's free. So sign up for the behind the scenes email list on the website, themysticshow.net. And the plan for this episode is to talk about four or five points that I wrote down here during this past week. I don't know if that happens to you. Like as you're going through your week, maybe there's certain times when you have some deeper thoughts or, or your mind just begins to wander and you maybe begin to dream or come up with solutions. You know, it happens to me a lot in the shower. In fact, today I took a shower today. I did. And guess what my idea was in the shower today? Another brilliant idea. Actually, it's, uh, regarding our Pause Your Life organization, which I didn't even mention. Pause Your Life is the sponsor and supporter of The Mystic Show. Pause Your Life is an organization that my wife and I started providing meetups and retreats for people who just want to hit the pause button. Just stop the craziness and just put down your baggage and just be a human being and maybe breathe. How about that? So I'm in the shower and I have this thought because we haven't had our retreat this year yet for Pause Your Life. And normally when we organize our retreats, it's just a retreat. That's what we call it. But I thought we could do a week-long event and call it Bliss Week. That's right, Bliss Week. Wouldn't you like to attend that? Just take a week off from your life and go to Bliss Week? So I, of course, first thing I do is I go to GoDaddy and I look to reserve the domain name. Blissweek.com is taken. But I got the .org and the .net. 
anyway, because it wouldn't be a dot com anyway. But uh, and there's no website there at the dot com. It's just someone just bought it to reserve it and they're not using it. But either way, maybe the next retreat we do will be an entire week called Bliss Week. Stay tuned for that. Anyway, that's an idea I had in the shower. You probably have a lot of ideas when maybe when you're driving to work or walking. Usually when I'm hiking in the woods, that's when I get a lot of ideas. A lot of good ideas too. It's because you relax, right? Just like you do when you listen to this show, right? You just relax. So the other morning I woke up and our bed is right, there's a window right near our bed. And it's interesting because in the winter, when this, we don't have any shade on this window. (laughs) There's no shade, no curtains, nothing. So in the winter, the angle of the sun, basically when the sun comes up, it shines right onto my face. Like I'm not even, not even exaggerating. (laughs) The sun comes in, it hits me right, my pillow, right on my head, right on my face. And anyway, I don't mind because, you know, I should wake up earlier, maybe. Anyway, so, well, now it's spring and it's moving towards summer. So now the sun comes up at a different angle. So this, it doesn't actually come right in the window. But the other morning I woke up and when I was, you know, getting dressed, I was looking out the window and on one, on top of one of the pine trees, there was a big bird. I couldn't tell what kind of bird, but it was like big. And I was like, what is that? And I'm looking and the tree is only maybe 40 feet away. And because the bedroom's on the second floor of the house, the, I was almost, well, I was looking up a little bit, but I was, you know, 20 feet off the ground and the tree was maybe 35 feet off the ground. So anyway, I was looking at this bird and I said, I don't know what this is. So I yelled downstairs to my wife and she grabbed the binoculars and tried to find it. But I went downstairs and I grabbed the binoculars and I went to the window that was closest to the bird. And I took the binoculars and I looked at the bird and I know now that it was a red-tailed hawk. Big one. And the strangest thing happened. The most amazing thing happened. As I was looking through the binoculars, he seemed so big, right? Because the binoculars really amplified him. He, He looked really big. And pretty much as soon as I started looking at this hawk, he started looking at me. He looked at me and he turned his head and he looked at, turned his head again. He looked at me and he cocked his head a little bit to one side. And I, I really felt like, oh my God, this hawk is looking at me. Now I'm 40 feet away in a house standing at a window, but then you got to remember these birds have really excellent vision, right? That's what they're known for. The eagle eye, right? Birds are, well, hawks and eagles at least are known for their vision. So he's looking at me and looking at me. And then, then he just, you know, I could tell he was a little stressed out and then he just sort of slowly just turned and flew away. But then I was thinking, I was wondering if he was able to look through the binoculars and see my eyes. I don't know. Maybe that's a weird thought, but hey, if he has that great a vision, he could probably see my eyeballs, right? I don't know, but he was looking at me. I, there was just some connection there. It was pretty cool. Anyway, it snowed last week as well, and I, so of course I had to go out and shovel the driveway. And 
funny thing happened, and I'm sure this has happened to you if you've ever shoveled snow, and this is spiritually relevant, <laughs> so stay with me. So I'm shoveling, and you know sometimes the snow is like powder, and when you when you lift it up with the shovel and you throw it, it just comes off the shovel, real easy. Other times, if the snow's a little sticky or wet, you'll you'll pick up a shovel full of snow and you'll go to throw it, and only about half of it will come off the shovel. And then, of course, because half of it is still on the shovel the shovel feels really heavy. And then you either have to tap the shovel on the ground to get the snow to fall off or, well, that's what you have to do. Or you could, if you wanted to, keep that half of a shovel full and just bring the shovel back and fill up the shovel again and then try to throw it again. And then maybe only half would come off. But when the half of the shovel full is on the shovel, it's really heavy. And I thought this was an amazing analogy of our lives that, and speaking of pause your life and dropping your baggage, there are things that happen in our lives, all of our lives, that we keep with us. We hold on to it. We clutch it tightly and it weighs us down. And the times in life when we feel the most light and the most free is when we just set aside all of our, well, not only our troubles, we set aside everything. And we just be, just be light. So it was kind of like the shovel, you know, like you take a shovel full of snow and you throw it, it should all come off the shovel. And so you, you have an empty shovel, then you're ready to shovel more snow. I think it's like that for us every day. We go through a day and we pick up a lot of stuff. We hold on to a lot of stuff, thoughts and our actions and impressions and whatever else and beliefs, and feelings, and all this stuff happens during the day, and when we end our day, we should unload the shovel. We should go to bed. Well, I shouldn't say should. We could go to bed clean, light, free, ready to really relax and get a good night's sleep, and the next day you start fresh. That's not what happens a lot of times. A lot of times we take things to bed or we're worried about something or we're thinking about work. And it happens to all of us to some degree, right? But when we don't unload everything at the end of a day, it's almost like all the snow not coming off the shovel. So then we start the next day with a half a shovel full of snow, heavy. So you start the next day with half the problems from yesterday weighing you down. And now you, you know, it's the next day you get a bunch of new problems <laughs> that you take on. So this all, this crazy, probably silly analogy all stemmed from the fact that when I tried to throw this snow and half of it stuck on the shovel, the shovel was heavy. It kind of hurt my back, you know? So I think it's really true. The more we hang on to things, the more we're attached to so many things in our material lives, it really weighs us down. It'll hurt your back. <laughs> and maybe that's why people get sick because it builds up and it builds up and you can only carry a heavy weight for so far. At some point, you're just going to break down and fall down and lay down and probably be hurt as well. So what's the spiritual analogy there? Again, 
if we can unload all of our impressions, all of our attachments, all of our feelings, our emotions, everything. At the end of each day, if we can unload everything and go to sleep clean, we can wake up more fresh, more ready for a new day, and we just feel better. So, of course, there's a lot of deer in our backyard. You've probably seen the pictures. I know on one of the Mystic Show episodes, I put the picture of those deer standing at the back door. And I I had that on Instagram as well and and Facebook because my Facebook is connected to my Instagram. And on Facebook, I think that got the most likes of any picture I ever put up there. It was these deer standing at the door and there was snow on them. This one deer had like his had snow all over his head on his forehead and he was just standing there in the cold. I don't know. It's like it doesn't bother them. But we have a lot of deer and and we fed them twice. And yes, we have noticed that when we feed them maybe the next day or two or or a couple days later, they'll come back and they'll sort of hang around by the door <laughs> and kind of look inside and just, you know, almost like they're dreaming. And if they see me inside, they kind of, they just hang around a little bit, just to hang around, see if there's any food coming out the door. So we're we're not going to feed them very much. Every now and then we'll feed them. It's okay. No big deal. Don't overdo it, right? <laughs> Easy does it. But I was thinking the deer hang around our house because we feed them. And the last, the second time I fed them, which was the last time, the sliding glass door was halfway open and I was, this deer was eating carrots out of my hand and its face was literally in the doorway. Like it was almost poking his head inside the house. Actually, it was the female, it was the mom. And really close to me, close to my face and just looking at me. And I just thought, man, this deer is so blank. Like there's nothing, it's just very calm. It's just simple in the moment. And I knew the deer wouldn't, you know, freak out or wouldn't hurt me or wouldn't, wouldn't do anything as long as I stayed calm and just gave it a carrot. So it's interesting. You know, the deer's not going to attack me for no reason, right? This this doesn't happen. (laughs) There's no reason. (laughs) So the deer was hanging around and I don't know, like, those close encounters with wildlife, I somehow think that it definitely touched me in some way. There was some deeper connection there between just a pure, innocent animal and me, you know, face to face. So it affected me, but I also think it affected the deer energetically. And of course, I can't prove this. I don't know this, but I do know it actually. <laughs> I feel it. I feel like the deer was somehow, somehow felt my compassion and my, my peacefulness and just naturalness, you know, cause I mean, I don't hunt, I don't fish, I don't kill animals. I don't eat meat. You know, I'm just let the animals live. I mean, they're just animals. They're just living like you and me. Anyway, that's my philosophy with animals. But of course, you know, if a mountain lion attacked me or my wife, well, actually, I don't know what I would do because (laughs) we don't have a gun or anything. But anyway, if human life is in jeopardy, then 
then you have to do what you have to do. But besides that, just I just enjoy the animals. So anyway, I thought in some way, this deer was energetically or spiritually, I don't want to say raised or maybe slightly evolved. I don't know. I just think there was some energetic connection and I think we both benefited from it. And I think we both, really, we both grew spiritually, you know, in a very small way, of course. It's only one small encounter, but... So I was thinking about the deer, you know, if the deer hang around humans, they'll benefit energetically, naturally, spiritually, whatever you want to call it. So here's the whole point of this whole story. <laughs> Stay with me. <laughs> well, you probably know by now that I usually have a point when I go on these telling these tales. So if the deer hang around humans and the deer benefit spiritually, I think the same thing happens when a human being hangs around the higher beings or I don't know what you could call it, the masters, angels, pure spirit. I don't know. I think that when we sit down and meditate or even just relax and, and, and are mindful and, and maybe have a heart full of love and devotion, I think energetically, again, I think maybe some spirits or the masters or the higher spiritual beings, they are there. And that's like our time to interact with them. And when I say interact, I don't mean like talk to them and ask them questions. I don't mean any of that stuff because that's usually just a person's ego talking <laughs> and their mental activity talking. It's not real. But energetically is what I'm talking about. That in that those moments of silence and when your heart is fully open, I think there is some... It's, a, it's on the level of feeling, I think. Something, not even emotion, way deeper than emotion, feeling, just on a really pure level. There is some give and take between a human being and maybe the higher beings. Again, I don't know what those higher beings are, except I know that they're much more subtle than we are. And maybe it's wrong to even call them they or something like that. I don't know. So it's interesting. The deer can benefit from hanging around with humans, but we humans can benefit from hanging around with the higher beings. Again, in whatever way you do it, meditation or whatnot. So, you know, a lot of people want to know, how do I go about growing spiritually? What should I do? How should I do it? How can I benefit all these things? Well, if we interact, and I'm doing air quotes, if we interact with really pure, higher spiritual beings, some of that will rub off on us. We will just evolve because that's just the nature of becoming like them, I think. So that's a pretty deep thought. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. I wonder what you think about these higher beings or the masters or the departed souls or whatever you want to call it. Personally, I always just take it as pure energy, like not even a person. Like, you know, when, when one of your relatives dies, 
and we think, oh, grandma's up in heaven or something like that. Like, no, I don't think it's grandma. Like, it's the pure essence of grandma, which doesn't have a body, which doesn't have a mind. It's just pure something, love. So I don't know if we can call that grandma. But that love that was inside grandma is still there. But it's love. And of course, God is love. So these are pretty pretty deep thoughts. Why don't we just take a moment and uh, ponder this? We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to The Mystic Show. And I just wanted to mention, because I always forget to mention it, although I never want to mention it too often, but um, I did set up a page on this website called Patreon. And it's a place where you can go and actually contribute a dollar or two per episode to help, you know, help with the production costs of The Mystic Show. Patreon is this really cool platform where you can contribute to artists, artists that create things. Of course, we all know most artists are starving artists, right? Because they're creative people. They're not business people. They're not sharks in the business world who are going out and killing people and make making a killing, right? So anyway, patreon.com uh, slash The Mystic Show. There's a link on themysticshow.net somewhere. It says if you want to contribute, but um, it's a cool platform and you get rewards if you do contribute a dollar or two or three per episode. So yeah, that's Patreon. And we were just talking about some pretty deep stuff. The other night I was, well, my wife and I were sort of watching TV, although we don't have TV. We watch movies through Amazon Prime or YouTube because we have a PS3. So we we don't actually have TV. So and sometimes my wife really wants to watch the news. Not really, but kind of just wants to see what's going on in the world. But uh, we don't have the news because we don't have TV. But we watch movies, and and I just figured out uh, how to download the YouTube app on the PS3. So now we can watch YouTube on the TV. And of course, I brought up some chess videos, you know, showing some Magnus Carlsen playing chess and winning and all this stuff. And of course, my wife is thrilled about that, right? So anyway, the other night, I don't know why. Actually, I might have heard it somewhere else that day, but someone mentioned George Carlin, and he was a famous comedian. You probably, you've, I'm sure you've heard of George Carlin, but uh, revered as one of the greatest comedians ever, like literally number one or number two on everybody's list. Maybe number three, but no lower than number three on anybody's list. And so I was on YouTube. I just pulled up this George Carlin, like, you know, the best of George Carlin. And I asked my wife, have you ever 
heard George Carlin? She said, no. So I said, oh, wow, this is going to be great. I've heard some of his stuff, but not much at all, actually. But I do, I did hear enough to know that, get the feeling that he's uh, one of the greatest. So we put on this video and George Carlin starts going off. And of course, he curses a little bit. But, you know, it's not gratuitous and it's pretty funny stuff. But here's the thing. Here's the beauty of what George Carlin did is he would inject all this truth into his act. He would talk about the government. He would talk about religion. And he would really just break it down to the truth in a funny way. And it was really interesting. And and one of the interesting things was that he criticizes what's going on in government and religion and all that. And some people asked him, well, why, if, if you think it's so bad, why, um, how do you handle it? If you think the world is so bad, he's like, you know what? I'm not trying to change the world. He said, I'm just doing what I do. And I, he said, I've just become a spectator. He said, I'm sitting back watching what's happening. Because the way the world is, it's moving forward. And I mean, you're not going to change 99% of what's in the world. All the bad stuff, everything. You're not changing it. Because you can't change other people and you, can't, you just can't change it. it it's going to take a long time to change. It's not going to happen in five years or one year. Or 50 years. It's going to take a long time. So, But he would observe and point out the things that were crazy and weird about the world and how people are. And of course, he would encourage everyone to live properly and, and think. But he knew he wasn't going to change anything. But I really like that line he said that he became a spectator. And I thought that's in a way, a very spiritual idea because non-attachment is one of the most important spiritual qualities to have, to not be attached to anything. So by him being a spectator, he wasn't attached to it. He was detached from the world. And in a worldly way, you you can't say this to most people in the world that you should detach and live your life because they'll say, no, my God, you, you need to be involved. You need to be informed. You need to know, you need to study and research and have the facts and research the facts and make good decisions and all this stuff. And if you say, you know what? I'm just a spectator here. They, they won't understand it. They'll think you're crazy, really. And of course, there's a limit to detaching as well. You have to be, you have to live in the world and you have to be somewhat informed, but it's like us not having TV. I mean, really, if World War III breaks out, I mean, are we going to miss it because we don't have TV? You know, like for six months, World War III is going to be raging and and my wife and I are going to just be clueless. No, no one's going to mention it to us. <laughs> no one in the store, no one on the radio. Please, if Really, if something is that important, you'll know about it. Your family will tell you. Anyway, that's how I feel. Doesn't make it bad to watch TV or be informed. It really doesn't. It's just an interesting idea of non-attachment and being a spectator. Part of what George Carlin was saying as well was 
about nature. He talks about, he has a whole bit about people saying, oh, we have to save the earth, save the planet. And he basically said, you know what? The earth does not need saving. The earth is way bigger and more powerful and more resilient than any human could ever be. And we know this because of the way nature sometimes lashes out. And we feel it. And we feel very small next to nature sometimes, right? And he said also that people want to save the world for selfish reasons. They want to save the world just because they want to continue having a comfortable place to live. They don't want to save the world for the world's sake or for their children's sake. They want to save the world for their own sake. That's a very subtle example of selfishness. Subtle selfishness. And I think there's a distinction to be made there about selfishness, about, you know, we all know there's some do-gooders in this world who they just want to do good, but really it's for selfish reasons, whether it's business reasons or whatever. I mean, this is happening. We know this. We all know this. So what can we do? Well, each of us in our own lives can just reflect on this. If we're trying to do good, are we really trying to do good? Or are we just doing it because we think we should? Or, or society looks well upon us if we do good, if we do this one good thing or whatever. Save the planet, save the animals or whatever. Again, it's not bad to do that. It's not bad to save the planet. It's not bad to save the animals. But what can be bad is your intention behind it. And hey, if we can be more aware of our intentions behind it, then we're more aware. So so becoming a spectator, back to that, because I have a quote here from guess who? Jesus. Well, it's a quote attributed to Jesus. It's from this book called Unknown Sayings of Jesus. I think there's two books with that name, with that title. Anyway, this whole thing about be a spectator, the Jesus quote was, be passers-by. Be passers-by. And he was addressing the people. So if he was addressing one person, he would say, be a passer-by. And that's so interesting because this physical life that we're living, which started some years ago, which is going to end some years from now, this is like a very small part of our existence. One human life, one human go-round, one human incarnation. It's like a tiny thing in terms of eternity. And if we get too caught up in it, too attached in things, too involved with the material plane and the material things and possessions and our bodies and our our weight and our muscles and our good looks or what or lack of good looks whatever we're getting caught up in something that is really going to just not be here in a few years so he said be passers by be like a spectator we're just passing through it's like a traveler going through some small town in the midwest you're just passing through When you pass through that small town, are you going to stop and get involved in the politics and try to find a job and and start a family and do all that? No, you're passing through. 
So let's say you're passing through, you stop at a diner and you hear people talking or you, you know, maybe somebody asks you, hey, can you help, help me here for a second? Hey, so you help them. And then you hear people, some people are having a bad time. Some people are suffering a little and you try to give a kind word and that's it. But then you're on your way. It sounds so inhuman when I talk about this human incarnation that way, but it's true. That's the thing. It's true. You know? And the last thing I want to talk about today is another movie we saw called Regarding Henry. This was a movie with Harrison Ford. I think it was from the late 80s or early 90s or maybe mid 90s. I really don't know. But it was a while back. It's called Regarding Henry. This was a more spiritual movie than most spiritual movies <laughs> are because it was it was great. He starts out, he's this lawyer. He's a New York City attorney and he is a shark. He's a killer. And he's going to win. He makes a lot of money. He's the best. He's rude to people. He kind of ignores his wife. He, you know, well, I don't think he yelled at his daughter, but he was he just kept correcting her and being very stern with her and this poor little girl. She just wanted a loving father, but he was like an army sergeant or something. And one night he went out and he walked into a store that was being robbed and he ended up getting shot twice. And he ended up, one of the shots went into his brain. And so he had a long road to recovery and he really couldn't remember anything. Slowly little bits and pieces were coming back to him. I mean, he didn't remember his wife. He didn't remember his daughter. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. So slowly he learned to walk. He learned to talk. And then he met his, you know, he could talk to his wife. He knew he had a wife and daughter. He would talk to them a little. But he, st- he still was really just out of sorts. He couldn't remember anything else. And, but the funny thing is, before he got shot, he was a real jerk, Right. He was just very materialistic and egocentric. After he got shot, after he started rehabilitating, he was a real nice guy. He just was living from the heart. He wasn't a trained killer anymore. He was just a normal person. And he would talk to his daughter and he would, you know, talk to his wife. And it just, and he, he was nice to the, the maid in the house and, He was just a nice guy. And everybody in his life was so shocked. They couldn't believe how different he was. And then he went back to work at the law firm and he started looking through some of his old old files and he found a couple pieces of evidence that would have changed the whole case. It was actually a case that he won. And he found this piece of evidence that would have tipped the scale and, and the other party would have won the case and he brings up this piece of evidence to his partners and they're like oh just leave that alone put it away forget that and he was like yeah but this this is important this is important to the case like he was just coming at it from a a normal genuine human being and they were the lawyers who just wanted to make the money and you know hide whatever evidence didn't work for them (laughs) so he ended up remembering more and more but 
he remained a really genuine, authentic human being. And then his marriage was great. His daughter was great. I mean, it just, I don't know. So here, here's the deal. I think I can speak for myself. At times in my life, I kind of knew I was acting like a jerk. Deep down, I knew it. But I just couldn't, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Just, I, I was acting like that and that's how I acted or whatever. But over time, I've softened, you know, I'm still not 100% there yet, but I've softened, I've become more aware and more authentic and uh, which is not easy, by the way, because when you become softer and more authentic, you, you, you become more aware, then you can see you're more aware of other people who are not soft and not authentic. <laughs> and it can bother you if you let it. But I just think for him in the movie, he had to get shot to soften up and become an authentic human being. I mean, even before he was shot, he probably, in deep down in his heart, he knew he, you know, he could have been more loving and authentic. But it was just out of habit and his tendencies, he couldn't change. He couldn't break out of that. He was afraid to. Because we, you know, if we're insecure or fearful, we can be afraid to be authentic, be giving, be loving. So... I think that's an opportunity for all of us. I think in our heart of hearts, we kind of know that, that like we could be more loving and, and that kind of thing, more authentic or more lighter, something like that. But sometimes it's hard to actually make the change, you know, physically, habitually make the change. So I think that's an opportunity for all of us. And I think that's something that we each have to think about on our own. And really slowly open up and become more authentic and become more genuine as a human being and not chase after money and fame and all this stuff. Just be a normal person. I mean, all our relationships would be deeper and richer. And anyway, like I said, I'm on this journey too. I'm still getting there. Sometimes it's, I don't feel like I'm getting very far, but, but I know I'm on the right path and I know I'm getting there and I've already made the decision that I'm going to get there. So now it's just a matter of time. I appreciate you listening and I really appreciate the emails I get from you guys and the phone calls. So have a great day. Have a great week. Keep some love in your heart. And as always... Keep shining. <laughs>